Good afternoon. My name is Mike Matuzzi. I'm the founder of Contemporary Spirituality, and I have uh, the pleasure this afternoon of talking to Dr. Allegre, who is going to tell you about the contemplative end-of-life work that she's been doing for the past 20 years. So with that said, uh, doctor, you're a medical doctor, and at some point you transitioned from that work to Casey Hospice. Um, tell us about that and what you did for uh, Casey Hospice before you got into this work. Okay, thanks, Mike. It's great to be with you. Um, sure. When I, when I trans when I transitioned to hospice, I was still very much a medical doctor. I originally trained as an internist, and a, a very short history of how I got into end-of-life work is that uh, six weeks after I started in practice, um, after finishing all my medical training, I was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. Um, and my, the treatments for that over the next year were successful. I'm very grateful uh, that I had the next 40 years of life. Uh, but it also put me in a position to have to really face the fact that I was mortal and that death was real and would come to me at some point. And through that experience, I actually um, was able to face my fear of death and was more comfortable being around people who were in that position. So over the years, I started um, being interested in end-of-life care. Hospice was really just getting started back in the early 80s. Uh, in 1988, I started working part-time with hospice, and by 1999, I transitioned to a full-time career in hospice and palliative medicine, which is what I did with Kansas City Hospice. And then a few years after I'd done that, working with no physician support and facing a lot of difficult situations, people uh, who were dying, obviously, but many of them were not wanting to die, many families in distress, uh, people with uh, existential fears and other fears. And I didn't really have good tools to deal with all that. So I was about to burn out, actually, after just just after four years in that field. But I, I um, had always been interested in meditation, hadn't found my way into it. And I found a program that can, combined a meditative approach with end-of-life care. And uh, that program is now called Authentic Presence. Uh, I took the training that was first offered in 2003 almost 20 years ago, and um, the year after that, I was asked to be a very junior part-time faculty for that program, so I've been working with the program ever since, and we, we uh, still provide training in uh, contemplative end-of-life care. Uh, we have a certificate program that has three modules, two online modules, and one uh, residential retreat, and those are offered to uh, particularly professionals and volunteers in end-of-life care from around the world. Uh, in my current online classes, uh, I've only got eight students, but only one of them is from the U.S. Uh, others are from Turkey, Australia, uh, England, Canada, all over the place. Excellent. So, and the intensive, uh, how does that work? Uh, our intensive um, 
it's generally an eight-day residential retreat, and which really allows uh, our classes to really go in more depth into an exploration of what it means to be present with someone who's dying and to be present with themselves in those circumstances. Um, uh, during the pandemic, we did develop an online intensive uh, which can't go into the same depth, but we have offered that uh, the past few years as well. Um, back to the intensive retreat, are these in the U.S., are these at locations all over, or where are these held? Yeah, up until 2018, it was held in the U.S. Uh, each year. Uh, and then uh, we didn't hold one in 19. Uh, there was one in Ireland in 2019. Uh, we work with a retreat center there called Zoshanbera and a beautiful spot on the coast of Southwest Ireland. Uh, and some of our colleagues uh, are based in that area who lead that training. Uh, and then um, with the pandemic, we did not have any live retreats, but the Irish retreat was again offered in 2022 and will be again in October of this year. Okay. Now, let's talk about uh, you are a senior educator with Authentic Presence, which is an international entity. Let's talk about the kind of contemplative practices that you teach or make available. Tell us more about that. Right. Uh, as I said, I came to this when I didn't really know anything about meditation. And I found that the way these uh, the meditation and compassion practices were presented were very accessible, uh, even if I didn't have a background in contemplative practice. Uh, we, we do teach our style of meditation. Our program was inspired by Tibetan Buddhism, but it's presented in a secular way. So it's open to people of all faith traditions and, and people who have come to us who were uh, clergy and other traditions have often commented that it helped deepen their own faith. Um, in addition to teaching some basic uh, ideas of meditation, just you know how to settle your mind, how to feel present, um, using breath or a visual object as an anchor for settling your mind. Uh, in addition to that, we also teach uh, compassion practices. And um, many, I'm sure of your audience, will be familiar with some of these things like loving kindness practice, uh, giving and receiving, or Tong Lin practice. Um, we teach one called uh, Essential Poa, which is a practice of purification at the time of death. And so those are practices that as a working professional, I could, I could go through those guided audio practices and apply them directly with patients that I was working with. Uh, we have one practice called seeing the other as another you and exchanging places. And by trying to imagine myself in the position of that person that I was having difficulty connecting with or communicating with, it opened me, it opened my mind to what their perspective might be and, and gave me better ways to connect with them. 
So um, the practices were very immediately applicable. Now, um, you had a relationship, this group, Authentic Presence, at some point with the Nairobi Institute, uh, which I think is a Buddhist monastery, maybe, in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, no, tell me more about a, that. Yeah. Uh, Naropa is a Buddhist university. It is a private university. It offers degree programs in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, and uh, initially, when <clears throat> this, pro this training was begun, it was thought that the uh, academic credentialing of it uh, would be helpful to us, but we found it wasn't that necessary or helpful. So we did uh, partner with Naropa for about seven years, and since then we've been doing it independently. Tell me more about the participants. If I was interested in the eight-day retreat, if I was interested in the online courses, anybody can do that. These are best equipped for uh, hospice professionals or ministers working in hospice or all of the above or what? We um, tend to focus on people who are working in, with the seriously ill or dying. Um, so many of them have been hospice volunteers, uh, many of them professionals, nurses, doctors, chaplains, social workers, aides, the whole team, <laughs> uh, music therapists, uh, we've had people from a number of other backgrounds, like a veterinarian uh, who often deals with issues of death and dying with their clients. Uh, so it's, it's a variety of people. And some of the people that take our courses are family caregivers. We do have some specific uh, courses for family caregivers, but our main training is for people who are working in the field. Okay, what, what is the most important thing or things for folks like me to know who don't have any hospice training, but who just know that at some point we're going to be um, helping someone journey towards the end who we're close to? Um, what, what are, are there two or three things that your training experience and so forth tells you is high on the list? Right. Uh, one of the key things we always teach is that how we are is more important than what we do. And so it's partly about being aware of what's going on inside us, how we're responding, um, and, and being, how we can maintain presence uh, and truly be with that person. And I, in our culture, um, there's a tendency to minimize conversations around death and dying. Oh, don't think about that right now. Or, you know, it's not, it's not going to be that bad. Or uh, we shut down people's conversations. And so those who are dying can become isolated. And of course, those who are caring for them can become isolated too, because maybe their friends don't want to really deal with this directly. So I, that's that's sort of the emphasis. We call our course Authentic Presence, and it's really about being truly present uh, and being open to the other person, seeing that other person not just as someone sick or dying who needs care from someone who is fully well, but but seeing that we all are struggling in our own way. And we all want to be happy and we all 
don't want to suffer. So building connections. Got it. You mentioned when we, when we were talking before we started about the three goods, that struck me as a worthwhile teaching. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's a very simple teaching, but uh, one that has the ability to turn any activity into a spiritual practice. Um, it, it, it has uh, sometimes called good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end. So the good in the beginning is starting our day or our activity with a good motivation, uh, perhaps a motivation to relieve suffering or to be present for whatever this person needs from me in this moment or to listen well, you know, whatever our motivation is uh, for that interaction or that activity. And then through the course of a day or through the course of a, an interaction, we occasionally touch base with that motivation. We occasionally remember <laughs> what we're, what, how we intended to approach it, and, and we try to stay present. And then at the end of the day or the activity, we can look back over how it went. And if it didn't go so well, we can resolve to do better the next time and let go of that, not feeling like we didn't do well. And if it went well, we can rejoice at that. And however it went, we can kind of gather up all the positive energy that we generated and and offer it for the good of this other person we were with or for uh, people that we encountered or for people in similar situations or for anyone who's suffering. Uh, and that is called dedication. Excellent. Let me ask you a couple more questions. And maybe you've already touched on this a little bit, but what are the biggest mistakes folks make who haven't gone through formal training like you offer in these situations? So just a novice, um, suddenly a loved one's very sick. Uh, they're going to pass. They're going to go through hospice at some times. What are the biggest mistakes that folks tend to make? I don't know that I, well, I'm sure there are mistakes, but the thing that comes to mind is that people just get so overwhelmed with the details, with the dealing with the medical system, with um, the care needs, it, it, all the things that they have to hold, uh, that they're not really aware of how they and that other person are doing or communicating well about how they're doing. Uh, we just had a conversation last night with my sister-in-law. Her husband has been in the hospital for most of the month, and uh, she's exhausted and feels that he's suffering, and she feels it's time for him to let go and he's not ready to quit fighting. Uh, and so, you know, those, everybody has good intentions, but somehow they're not able to really be there for each other. Mm, I see exactly what you're saying. Okay, let me turn it the other way, doctor. Um, for novices, for folks who really haven't been through this with a loved one, for folks who haven't had the benefit of your training, uh, if they just 
ended up in a situation like that and they were just trying to hold on to one or two nuggets of good advice, what would you say? Uh, if you are in a healthcare setting, find all the help you can get. Um, in in some in, in the Kansas City area and in many places, uh, if you're in the hospital, there's a palliative care team who can help you and your loved ones step back and look at the big picture and really try to figure out what's going on here, what's important to us, and how can we get through this? What do we need to get through this? So get help wherever you can. Uh, is is a key thing, and and of course hospice teams, palliative care teams, uh, are excellent supports when they're appropriate for people. But so often people are just kind of buffeted around. You know, they go from one specialist to another. They hear different reports, different advice, and they don't know where they are. Okay, I may be getting near the end, but. Um... One question that is germane to me, and I think would be a germane to our listeners, is you know this audience; these are um, mature spiritual seekers, you know, mm-hmm. and we are, are of the belief that maybe there are even greater possibilities for uh, spiritual experience, for transformation, uh, as one gets closer to their death. Uh, your thoughts on that? What have you heard? What have you seen? What do you think? Years in the business. Right. There, there's so much that's unknown. I was just in a conversation yesterday, and we're talking about those last few days of life when most people are unresponsive, wondering, you know, what's going on with them spiritually, psychologically. Uh, they can't wake up and tell us, but I'm sure there's a lot going on. So working in end of life really was a gift to me and and in a way i've often said it for those of us who get to experience it it gives us spiritual comfort because we see people who are at peace whose lives are well completed Uh, and and we see people who are talking to beings that we can't see you know which they may describe as a family member or loved one who has passed or um, as a spiritual being. Uh, Those experiences happen not infrequently. And we hear stories Mm -hmm. of people who have been through near-death experiences and are are not at all afraid of dying. Uh, So there's a lot of mystery there, uh, but uh, it's it's a joy to be able to participate and be present with people uh, as they encounter that mystery. What has this journey done to your own faith? Has it uh, caused it to change? Has it modified beliefs? Um, or has it moved you, if at all? Um, I have spent a lot of my time in recent years uh, practicing meditation and trying to prepare uh, for what may happen after I leave this life. Uh, So I think my experience with end of life helps prepare me at least for that phase. What's it going to be like up until that last breath? And I hope that my spiritual work has prepared me for 
what comes beyond that. Has that caused you to make any different decisions with respect to how you're going to approach end of life issues? Uh, slightly, uh, a, a little more emphasis on being aware, if I can. I've written uh, a letter that goes with my advanced directive, and it, and it basically says, if I'm in pain and can communicate with the doctors, uh, you know, I'll tell you when I've had enough pain medicine, because I want to remain alert for spiritual practice if I can if I am no longer able to communicate and I appear to be suffering, then go ahead and treat my pain. Uh, and and another aspect, you know, we hear a lot about medical assistance and dying. I would not choose that for myself. I understand that that's a good death uh, for some people, but but I would not choose it for myself because I feel, you know, there's something to, uh, there's some work that I need to do on this side. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. All right, doctor. Excellent. Um, let's say we have some listeners out there who have um, sat with uh, me and you through this interview and they'd like to help or they'd like to learn more. What if they just want more information? What? How could they follow up? Sure. And, and I should say that Authentic Presence also offers short, like uh, one session webinars or short courses We've got one coming up on uh, musical companionship, how to uh, use music as a support for ourselves and the one who is dying. So we've got a lot going on and you can find out about all of that on our website, uh, which is authentic-presence.org. Um, and um, you can contact us through the website and you know, let people people uh, can say that they heard me on your program, and uh, the message will get to me. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Doctor. Um, great talking to you, and appreciate all the information. Thank you for all the great work you're doing in this area, which uh, I didn't realize that there wasn't any organized hospice to speak of until uh, late 90s. But um, well, early 80s. Yeah. Early yeah. 80s. Uh, and yeah, it's come a long way since since then, hasn't it? It certainly has. Yeah. And Excellent. and thanks for all the good work you're doing with your program, Mike. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, till we meet again. Thank you, doctor.